Inside Dance, a podcast that celebrates the Bates Dance Festival dance community. I'm your host, Lindsay LaPointe. We often spend time talking about the dance making that is being presented or in process of being created. For this episode, we will share excerpts from the artist talks with David Dorfman and Stephanie Batten-Bland. Up first is David Dorfman. He and his collaborators were scheduled to present their work Away Out of My Body in 2020. Due to the pandemic, now two years later, they were able to bring this work to the festival. Away Out of My Body uses out-of-body experiences as a metaphor for our times in our body politic. David Dorfman Dance's bodies propel themselves through space and time attempting to pass the barrier of reality and plight into the realm of positivity and growth. Here now is David Dorfman Dance. But I'd love to introduce uh, the company that's here already. Um, uh, Lily Gelfand, give a shout out, yay. My lovely partner in life, Lisa Reyes. <laughs> Claudia Lynn Reitmeyer, who I believe was a young dancer here a long time ago, yay, Claudia Lynn. And our music director and co-composer for this score, Sam Crawford, the delightful <laughs> Sam Crawford, yeah. And we're, everything we do is collaborative in the company. You'll notice in the program, uh, it says, um, conceived and directed by me, because that's true. Uh, I usually come up with the ideas and present them to the company and see if there's uh, a mutual interest, and there usually is. And, um, but the choreography and text is by us together, um, and I really mean that. And the music, there's also uh, collaborators um, not here, uh, Liz Delise, the fabulous Liz Delise, fabulous Jeff Hudgens, and Zeb Gould, and they collaborated to make the original score. Um, I also just want to say that due to this in incredibly um, odd timeline, um, we've had probably 25 people that have contributed to this dance, and it has changed so much. There's been, there's been a six-person core cast, there's been a four-person core cast, and a five-person core cast. Lisa and I had little parts, now we have bigger parts. Um, um, <laughs> the company asked us, by the way, to have bigger parts. Okay, we didn't suggest that. Um, and, um, but it has really transformed. And um, uh, there's a, a, Kellyanne Lynch and Nick Owens are on their way up. They were just teaching young people in New Haven. And that rounds out the core cast with Lily and Claudia. And um, just recently, Missy Robinson, who was with us uh, last time we were here, uh, no, not last time we were here, but um, she's been touring with us regularly, but due to injury and um, just life changes, you know, she is not with us now and doing wonderful work on her own. But it's been a, kind of a wild, wild ride. And then uh, Doug Gillespie used to come here all the time, uh, was in the cast when uh, uh, Simon Thomas Train and, and Nick Owens took leaves of absence. Um, who else? Jared Brown, Demi uh, Jordan Demetrius Lloyd, fabulous artist, uh, and um, uh, Jasmine Hearn. And Jasmine's uh, helped do the first showing and create the beginning of this. And Kendra Portier was rehearsal director when I couldn't be there, and that's part of the story. Um, and is there another? Uh, uh, I think I got really the, that full list. So it's been a really, really interesting tale. Um, 
for me. And I just asked Lily and Lisa, when were we in El Salvador? And I couldn't believe that it was, really was 2014? No, I think it was 15. I think too, because you know why? Because I think two, uh, Dance Motion was 2014-15. Okay, anyways, it was a while ago. It was like 2015-16, and um, we had completed uh, our dance called uh, Around Town, which is the last uh, uh, piece that we uh, showed here. And we even did a, uh, during the pandemic, we did a video showing of it, remember? Yeah, that was really lovely. And um, you can find all our, like, all our dances on our website. So you, uh, I would encourage you to, to see the older works if you, if, you, if you feel like it. And Around Town was here and then we moved down. We usually take two or three years to make a dance because we don't meet every week. Uh, um, as it is with uh, the, the finances of uh, a middle-level modern dance company in the world. Um, so uh, it took us a while to make this, and then, of course, with, with COVID. Um, but um, an interesting element near the beginning was the fact that I... Okay, so now, now I'm getting a little closer in focus. Yes, go ahead, what? Yeah. I like that answer better, yeah. No, I think because it's, uh, in this case, it's the truth. Um, yeah, okay, because 2016, uh, I don't know if any of you noticed, but there was an election in this country, and, um, and I started sensing life as an out-of-body experience um, from that, that day on, and I wrote a couple other notes ab about that. So, okay, so that one, um, so we started around 2017 on this project, okay? And um, I was feeling that. I was also not well at the time. I just had some illness, internal problems that just were um, kind of driving me crazy and I was sleeping like one, one hour at a time. And, um, and I was also ignoring it. <laughs> I laugh about it out of nervousness. And so um, what did I, I wrote his notes here. It was uh, illness. <laughs> a bit of self-deception and denial. And I think that's, when I think back to the way the election came out, I think that was a little bit what happened as well. There was a little bit of self-deception and denial on the part of, of many in this country about what was actually happening and that it actually could happen. And then the world did the same thing or had already begun to do that. Many other countries started to say, oh, I think we'll, we'll just hop on that bandwagon. So that's where it started to feel like, this is not good. There is an actual um, illness going on. <laughs> and, I, and I'm not saying that I, I was taking on the, the illness of the world. It just happened to be coincidental. And it made me, uh, um, when I did, and I missed, the first time I ever missed a residency, <laughs> or two or three that, 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 that initial summer. And um, I remember being in El, El Salvador and just not being well you know, headaches and just stuff that I, I couldn't control, but I actually could control it. I just didn't know how to, or I didn't want to look deep enough. So that, that was a strong message, and I, it really changed my life, and I started to think back to all the body and out-of-body experiences I'd had as a kid. How many folks feel that they've had an out-of-body experience or just an, a really odd thing with the body. Okay, so not that many of you, but almost like a third, if and not close to a half. Mine, my recurring one, I still have it today, was I remember like sitting in a big field 
and being really happy um, where I grew up outside of Chicago. And I'd just be sitting in that grassy field, maybe I'd be playing sports or something like that. And then I wouldn't know if I was real. And I would just have to kind of palpate myself. And I felt like I was maybe going to float up and go away, or that maybe I was in like a Borges story, that maybe I was a, a puppet and someone was kind of pulling the strings, and there was a, a, another higher power. And it just kind of freaked me out, and then I would forget about it. And I'd be my regular David running around self. And then it would kind of go away for ah, a while, many, many years. And then, and it would come up, and I've written about this recently, again, at re not super anxious times, but actually wonderful times. I'd almost be so happy that I, you know, it's kind of like that expression. I love like physical metaphor and I love idiomatic expressions and idioms. And, um, oh, I had to pinch myself. Now, I usually think of that in the best of circumstances. I was so happy I had to pinch myself to see if, if I was alive, if I was real, if it was really happening to me. And I've had to do that a lot. And um, so that got me thinking, um, there's this mixture of terrible things happening in the world <laughs> and really beautiful things. And that makes me excited. I always look for the sublime in the mundane, but it also can literally make me question reality. And I love art that makes me question more than answers questions. I like not knowing. I like going to a place and like, oh my gosh, I want to research that, or oh my gosh, I'm a transformed human being walking out of this theater. Oh, I don't agree, or maybe I do, or that was, oh my, that's so sad. Maybe it's happy. And I feel that we tend to do a binary and things are good or bad or, or um, evil uh, and, and wonderful. And I think there's so much on the continuum, the things that we think are the worst, maybe they're the best for you. That's why I often say in classes, why don't you pick a movement that you just made that you either love or that you detest, that you, really bugs you? Because that means there's something hot about it. You know, and I'm not saying that you should always want people to walk out of choreography that you create, but, but that notion of if, if someone has a really strong reaction to what you've done, isn't that better than people, ah, that was okay. Yeah, so I started to feel that this is not a terrible thing that I'm feeling so out of whack, and so I wanted to explore it. So that's kind of the, the impetus, and, um, and then in our particular group, when I mentioned out-of-body experience, went kind of wild. Um, uh, Kelly, who's here, who's, this is Kelly's last performances with us. She has two little ones at home, and she doesn't want to anymore, and she's the greatest, and has been here a million times, and. Um, we're, we're working on a wonderful rep in Plavin now. Well, I worked with Kelly in 2007 on the beginning of this piece called Disavowal. Doug Gillespie was in it as well. So I have so many memories with Kelly. And Kelly's a super spiritual person and super wacky and one of the most incredible movers on earth and beyond. And so you just give that thing about, oh, let's talk about death. death. I love death. I listen to so many death podcasts. <laughs> oh, you should. You should listen to death podcasts. <laughs> Now, and okay, um, uh, so the, the, she just gets so much, and she knows all these somatics practices, and so she just jumped on this 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 opportunity. Um, so that that was kind of the realm we were in um, when we, when we started it, and um, so that's kind of the the short story of the 2017, 18, the world's in a very strange place, feeling like out of body experiences, and I'm sensing my own body is kind of Onye kept emphasizing that that's our tool.
And then when your tool feels funny, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of used to the aging of the tool. <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I'm happy to be alive. I'm so happy to be in front of you. But when it feels like, oh, I've never felt this before. This is so strange. Then I felt like, well, maybe other people are feeling that, and let's use it as metaphor and reality, or irreality. Um, I, I will say, just as a, a side note, maybe some of you know it, but I, I've been coming here a, over a, about a 25-year period, and there is no other place other than perhaps Connecticut College where I teach and where I got my MFA 45 years ago that I feel as at home and as nurtured and as grounded and as uh, invited to experiment and play and make new friendships and rekindle old ones. So. Thank you, um, Shoni, for taking up that mantle and to Laura for before. But as Onye said last night, these grounds, this space, these buildings, these people, really, really special. Thank you, Kirk, for helping with everything. We will now hear from Stephanie Batten Bland, who brought company SBB dance work embarked Stories of Soil. Originally, this performance was scheduled to be shown outside, but due to the high temperatures, the show was moved into the Bates College Schaefer Theater. Embarked Stories of Soil is a dance theater work centered around a transformative ship mast, inviting migratory reflections, revealing post-colonial foundations and mythology. Through questioning existing relationships to memorials, they call up all who made our united history enabling audiences to versatilely and holistically connect our country both forwards and backwards in space and time. Company SBB stayed after their first performance for a question and answer session with the audience. Here's the company now with the festival director, Shoshona Courier. Thanks so much for coming. This has been um, years of some research and some work and it's just been such a pleasure to be able to be in your space and your community and to share it with you all. Um, it's kind of a lovely way to end an enormous tour of about four weeks. So the team is changing and they'll be out, but we're here for the chat. <laughs> First of all, that was beautiful. That was beautiful in here. The, the, I feel like we all went on a big, long journey together. Um, and I wonder if you can talk just a little bit about the, the seed of this piece, where it comes from, the making of it. Oh, absolutely. Um, embarked is indeed a journey. It might be one we're still on. It might be one that's here after us, as most great things in life. It was a book I happened upon while we were Schoenberg Fellows out on Martha's Vineyard years ago and I happened upon a book about the African-American Heritage Trail. It, Massachusetts being one of these unique states that quite early on abolished slavery and allowed um, a very successful capitalist structure in favor of enslaved people to sue masters and it, to sue um, for freedom, sue for land, sue for right. Um, the way in which more memorialization was being addressed through active passaging and active seeing, participating, not just with sight, to placards and areas that were celebrating people, celebrating stories. 
that got me kind of going in this fishing community that we started visiting regularly. Um, how in which we can talk about memory, how, how slippery it is, how it slips into present tense, how it slips into future, how it slips and swims around even in its past state, depending upon how we're speaking about it or how we're looking at it or how we're touching and engaging with it. And so it sort of planted the seed of exploring vehicularity, storytelling, what's hidden inside of textiles, the identity that we shroud ourselves in, that we wear, that wears us, that we pass on, and those skins. And the seed started there with this team. So maybe you should meet them. Hi, I'm Jennifer Payan. Hello, I'm Latara Wilson. Hi, I'm Jamal Abrams. So can you talk a little bit about the objects and the use of the objects and the transformations? And I, I don't know if I've ever seen an item used in so many different ways throughout the course of an event. Um, so we, we were collaborating with um, a fish yard full of wonderful fishermen and people who are part of uh, nautical life. Um, our set designer happens also to be a sea captain. So this created a, a, a really fantastic collaboration around parts. And we were interested in looking at a traditional schooner that um, would have been used during the Middle Passage. Then at the same time, Shane Ballard, who's one of our enormous uh, longtime collaborators, uh, knows that I'm always interested in transformation through, through touch. Um, and it, it's, not just in, it's not just to make a boat, it's to make what comes from voyage. So it was very important that we be able to wear this journey, become this journey, be this journey, let what we wear be rooted in who we are, what we are, um, power, home ownership. The boat has to transform and must into flags, into a home structure, into domestic work, into labor, um, into celebratory spaces. It, it's one long transformation, and that's what we were kind of researching all of these years. And um, it's just this last year, or really, yes, that we started exploring how to translate that from, uh, throughout COVID, how to translate that into proper theatrical materials and what really would work best inside and out. And last question for me, and then we will open it up for, for questions. Um, we were supposed to do this show outdoors this week. The elements did not work in our favor. It was just too hot. Um, but I feel like this is such an example of um, pandemic art practice. I, we knew that you had an indoor version and an outdoor version. I know there's another indoor version of, with more dancers. And can you talk a little bit about, and maybe everybody could sort of talk about the ways your practice has changed throughout the pandemic and what, what we might keep from this and, and what we might throw away too. It's interesting. I feel that the pandemic sort of allowed the world to catch up with us in a way. Um, we've always 
been making in uh, scalable, malleable formats. We had to because we started in 2010, so the recession was obliging that the large box format uh, shift and change, but the quality of Dream, uh, Sino, uh, must still be of such a high elevation to fulfill all the duties of festivals and, and, and of presenting sources. Um, so we, this tour is a wonderful example of this because we have been working in the outdoor version um, and then we just went into, um, um, into an installation space and since this has been years, we have several generations of sales by now um, and we created an indoor installation space that um, is now available for tactile participation from visitors as long as they, they are in the Akron, Ohio area. And then indeed we were coming with the intention of the outdoor version in which we scale down to three people because there's so many participants in the outdoor space with whom are, per are actively performing. The indoor version is one of, is a quintet, is of five. And so this was one of these examples of, okay, it's neither the trio nor the quintet, it's something brand new. Well, what is that? And isn't that really what this journey is as well? It's what occurs and how we respond to it and what it's invited to be and listening and trusting that the piece tells us what it needs. And generally, if I get in the way of the piece, it's awful. If I listen to what it wants and what it really needs, we tend to generally hit it. Um, yeah, I would say, well, this is definitely like new to feel as a trio um, because the five really made sense when we grounded it. I mean, but it's still even in the making, but um, I, do, I do feel the outdoor version has this, it feels so huge, like it's just greater than us when we're performing it and we're thinking about different spaces and time. So, and it starts at like, like sunset time, so then by the end it's dark and I really crave that uh, feeling because it's kind of trippy. You're just like, you wake up and you're like, whoa, it's nighttime. Um, and you went through like this whole experience. Um, and then in COVID times, you know, when we came back together to cr create this, I feel like um, as the trio version, you know, as the safest, you know, less people also, um, there was like uh, such a intense feeling of, of union and it being outside and it actually finally happening was so great for a great feeling inside. Um. Um, I love the fact that it has so many layers. Um, going this week was was interesting as an artist. Um, being outdoor, everything Jen said pretty much I will agree to. Um, yeah, I can't put my finger on it, but I love the fact that Stephanie allow us to be us and give us the space and opportunity to collaborate with her and to collaborate with these beautiful, um, the sails and the fabric because it all plays. Um, and yeah, we do have to sit back and allow it to, to play. And I think that's what we did. Yeah, in the outdoor version, the winds don't play. The winds don't play. Like there's really, just give it the moment. They win, they win. So I'm a new birdie, so I don't necessarily have the experience of 
pre and post COVID, I just get the remnants, right? So I just get all of the lessons that have been learned um, moving forward. And I think the thing that I hold so dear to me is care. Um, in a turbulent time, in a turbulent world, in a turbulent week, um, in turbulent shifts, care has remained our common denominator. Um, and I hope that was visible tonight. We want to open it up to questions, and Maren has a microphone. If you want to, if you have a question, put your hand up, and she will come to you. Right in the front row. Hello, good evening. Uh, congratulations. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, I guess in terms of, I think all three of the dancers, all of you had such specific like characterization and like embodiment of specific like things that I think really told this like narrative very well. And I guess my question for you is, um, was that more so kind of them being like, this is what I want to embody as this person dancing in space? Or was it like a, could you try this kind of personality? Could you try this kind of personality in terms of as the story progressed? Um, I don't know if they, that you had that in mind. It just seemed, it just felt very theatrical in that way. And I think it really helped with kind of like the rise and fall of watching it all and like all the chills and everything. Yes, and. <laughs> I can have my score, I have my scenes, I have my ideas. I'm the child of Ed Bland. Jazz has taught me one thing as a child. You can set up the framework, but you must celebrate the freedom of research. Again, strong directing and imagination is one of the most freeing things in allowing a story to explain what it needs and for how you must honor it. I feel this has gone through several versions where we were able to turn and pick apart scenes, put them in other orderings, to just honor the fact that time isn't linear, and only in one state is it. Um, and so then how we can best ground or fight for that and defend it, well, I have my way, but it would be horribly incorrect of me to design that. In our type of work, it wouldn't make sense. So then yes, and. Um, I would say inside of it, I'm, I don't think my role in the work is linear. Like, I can feel, I can be and feel like one person here, and then another in another little millisecond, and then another in this section. Um, I kind of also discover it as I'm there because there is that freedom within this company of just like, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's not even said, but it's just, we have this feeling of safety to try and do and fail. Um, company SBB has an amazing team. Amazing, from Stephanie to our dramaturg to the set design to Shane Ballard, so technical director, shout out to the tech crew for 
just vibing with us and allowing us to be here. Um, so the music, even the music helps with us falling into these different characters. Because you saw how we was heavy in the beginning and then we got dark and we was caring and then we got to a little jam session. It all plays with everything from the team to the dancers to the stage to the tech crew. So, yeah, I think a lot about state shifting and shape shifting. Um, allowing myself to feel something as fully as I possibly can and then exit. I think that is the thing that allows the work to kind of have all of these dimensions and layers. And it's also the thing that protects me as a performer. Knowing that I go into, you know, this state in which I'm holding a corpse, to I'm your local drug dealer, to I'm your local tailorman. Um, and I think all of those states are necessary. And I think we need the space to feel them and to leave them and to honor them all at the same time. Um, I'm really curious about the break of the fourth wall, um, the intention behind it and what it looks like in different spaces, because you have done it in so many different spaces, like how this, this blink of light, what does that look like in, in, in an unorthodox or site-specific space? Um, and how, how your interaction with the audience changes if you go outside. This is a proscenium piece. It's meant specifically for, for the proscenium. The installations are not performative. They can be activated, but they're left for a couple of months. Very different uh, idea. So lighting is a crucial element in the second act. Um, the flash would be present in any form. Breaking the wall is purposeful and moves into your 7 p.m. Um, wheel of fortune uh, evening game show watching of a particular era where the television came into your laps, where um, an evening shared family, familial experience would tend to happen after the nightly news. Um, that's for a particular generation. For another generation, it's quite simply the fact that access is immediate and the three-dimensionality of access currently exists. How that then plays into the role of tourism, what is the, um, the experienced labor of people who are without homes, um, how, the, how the con game that perhaps I grew up with were really people that now would have been recognized with needs in mental health institutions still had the same need and hustle to get that gallon of milk. So the, the, the strategies and ways in which we play with folks by breaking walls, if this had been just a park scene, um, thanks to the proscenium we can throw out there and then that can be interpreted. Those happen to be my interpretations. Might not be theirs, it may not be yours. Absolutely fine. My goal is to just set up the various scenarios and then to let the familiarity of why we get drawn to people and why we exit away from them. Hello, thank you for such a gorgeous performance. Uh, I kind of have two questions, but I think they can be connected in some way. Firstly, I'm really curious of what the creative process was for this. I realize it was a long process, so I know you're not gonna be able to speak to everything. 
um, but it is really interesting to me of how this came about. And also, Stephanie, you mentioned that you were in a role of being a strong director while also allowing space for the dancers to find freedom in that. So I'm curious of what that looks like too and how do you find sort of the balance of being assertive and reaching your vision, but also allowing the artists to be artists. Yes, thank you. Who is that? <laughs> My name's Allison. Hello, Allison. Hello. <laughs> um, actually, it's, it's really not very complicated. Good directing is just good directing. Um, the, I mean, hopefully that was good directing, but... Uh, a good leader knows when to listen, knows when to shut up, knows when to scream, knows when to grab an apple, and knows when it's time to go to the movies. We must be able to be inspired, have full lives, ask questions, have a meal, uh, deeply research. We're a group that loves to work uh, with everyone at the same time, even if we must be in a satellite format because we didn't start in the States. So we've always had the we've always had this kind of satellite way of working, which of course COVID then obliged. But that was really quite already normal for us. So music and myself, we start after we we actually start at the same time as I when I understand the context. I'm a dreamer of space first. Once I understand space, then I understand who's supposed to be in it. Once I understand who's supposed to be in it, then I understand what we're supposed to sound like, be like. The scenes didn't kind of pop out to me in that way. Um, and then comes casting, and then comes who is in our team, since we do have proscenium work, we do have um, on display uh, durational kinds of gallery type works, and then we also have immersive works. So then who primes and what, who's available to do what, and who might defend the story uh, best as I, as I currently see it. That's a lot of me, me, me at that moment, but it's centered in the fact that it has to be us, 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 us. And that can only happen if I simply ask the following question, would you like to? And usually, as of right now, they've continually said yes. <laughs> and that's in all parties though, right? So composer, compositions, cineography, from costuming and designing, we all just have to, we have an enormous amount of communication and an enormous, I mean, the communication is really key, I think, in all good direction. Um, yeah. Really, like being, working with Stephanie, she's broken this um, dancer training thing of like receiving the choreography and then, you know, jazzing it up as you do. Um, but, like when you, <laughs> when we're in the process of, of building a work, it's so easy. I find myself the, the most challenging part is to grip on things I've made on this day because it felt good, but it just, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense anymore. Um, so I constantly have to remind myself to let that go, try again, play. There's like so much space for it. Um, and in the end, like if I feel confident and strong in what I'm saying and what I'm building, and it aligns with listening in the work, you know, it'll be solid. Um, so it's a great feeling to feel like 
I'm also a creator inside of this work as much as she is. Um, I think we all start with like a base phrase and then we kind of, <laughs> we have a phrase day. And um, I personally never do the same thing twice. So tomorrow's show is gonna be very different from today's show. Um, but she allows that and if it's not, if it, if it doesn't give the feel of what the piece is, is supposed to give, then she'll let us know. Like, okay, that five, six, seven, eight with the tondu, with the bring that back, change that up, make it heavy. And the words that she used uh, helps me try to ground in and find what she's looking for and agrees with me as an artist. Yeah, as a new birdie, <laughs> I wasn't here for the development of this work. Um, but one thing I can speak to is like the process of stepping into someone else's track, right? Like you watch the video and you're like, T, 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 okay, need to put it on my body now. Um, but the beauty is that in this work, my imagination belongs to me. Um, and it's not the track that lived before me. It's not the versions that lived before me. My impulses are mine. Um, and I'm grateful for that. That's all I got on that. I feel like that was a really good final like bunch of thoughts about the making of this. Um, if there is one more burning question, we can take one more. All right, nobody's burning tonight. It was such a beautiful talk back. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Finally, we would like to share a clip from our longtime festival photographer, Arthur Fink, who is one of the beloved people we lost in these past two years, of whom the Seasons Festival is dedicated to. Arthur was known for his intelligent questions and observations. This observation came after watching Camille A. Brown's Mr. Tolerance that was presented at the festival in 2014. I don't want to become colorblind. I don't want to not notice a beautiful chocolate brown or a deep black. There's something I want to get rid of, but it's not color. I was brought up in New York, and I was brought up to sometimes see a person of color, and a voice in me says, what's he or she doing here? And another voice in me immediately says, silly Arthur, they belong here. And the first voice is the voice of the racism around me that got embedded in me. And the second is a voice of a politeness and decency that I've learned, but I think it's transparent. There was a word that really disturbed me. It was, and it disturbed me as soon as I heard it. It's the word tolerate. Now it's been, it's been given beautiful usage by Martin Luther King and others but I don't want to tolerate you, and I don't think you want me to tolerate you, and I don't want you to tolerate me. And I think that, and I think that the, word, the word tolerate suggests an obsequious falseness 
that lets us denigrate each other with politeness. <laughs> and, and I think you played with that beautifully to make a point today, but you know, it's, it's trite to say we want to love each other, we want to respect each other, we want to honor each other, but there's something better than tolerating each other. And I want to tell, and I want to see each other, you know, with with brown skin or green eyes or red hair, and really different personalities and style. It's an exciting mix, and if we try to blind ourselves to that, we're trying to make us all the same, and it just ain't true. <laughs> Festival director is Shoshona Courier. The director of training programs is Allie James. Sound recording and editing by me, Lindsay LaPointe. For more information about the festival, visit BatesDanceFestival.org.